Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Thank you guys so much for coming. My name's Braden. I'm one of the senior leaders here at Renew Life Church. If you're new here, Keith Knoll, who just did the ministry time, he's the campus pastor, and we're really glad you're here. Can we give all of our first-time guests a round of applause? Thank you guys for being here. Super excited to be with you guys today. If you got your Bibles, you can just uh, open them up to Colossians chapter three. That's the one I want you to uh, land on the longest, if you will. Before, before we get there, I'm gonna read a, uh, just a mixed bag of little single line scriptures. Uh, oftentimes in scripture, if, you, if you're not careful and you take one little line of scripture out of context, it can, it can send you the wrong direction. And so I'm gonna read several scriptures that have a bit of a theme to them and just to really nail home a point here. Uh, I'm gonna read in Galatians chapter three, verse 26 first. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For, you, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. I want you to think about that. Clothed yourself with Christ. Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says it this way. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of of the flesh. And now Colossians chapter three, starting in verse one. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life, think about this, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Clothes yourself with Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. I, today I wanna talk to you about what does it mean to be hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that phrase before, hidden, hidden with Christ. It could be a little bit abstract, and so I wanna unpack that a little bit today because in reality, if you're not living hidden, you're not living right. If you're not living hidden, you're actually not living right. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you know, I think you just need to get your life right. Just, just get it right today. <laughs> turn back to him and say, don't talk to me like that. You, you don't know my life. You don't know my life. Uh, they say you can either, they, whoever they is, they say you can either humble yourself or be humbled, and you should always choose the former, humble yourself. Apparently, I did not get that memo early on in my life because for large portions of my early adult, adulthood, uh, I was humbled and humbled hardcore. Anybody ever, ever, else ever been just humbled hardcore? I mean, just like, wow, Lord, just take it easy. Take it easy. Um, I, uh, when, I, when I graduated college, I, uh, I got one little, one little sliver of a scholarship to a junior college in Midland, Texas to play baseball. And so I, I started off my college career uh, at Midland Junior College, and I was fortunate enough to be the believer who signed on with the atheist baseball coach. Uh, so that was the start of my athletic career. And we did not get off to a very good start. Uh, early in my, in my career there, uh, we were having an inter-squad scrimmage. And the coach, who was a former Major League Baseball player, actually, uh, he loved pitching the inter-squad scrimmages. And so one time I had hit a single. I was on first. They ran a, a pick play. And I ended up with a, with a, 
in a rundown. Well, in that rundown, if you, I don't know if you know this about baseball, but if you get caught between bases, you're in a rundown. If any other player on the field makes contact with you, you're awarded the next base. It's called interference. And so I had a bit of a strategy on how to get out of this interference or out of this, this jam using this interference rule. And what I would do is I would just, out of the corner of my eye, I would find a player close to me and I would just shuffle my feet until I felt like I was within range where if I ran at him, I could make contact and get the next base. The problem was that player that I saw in my peripheral that I was gonna directly make contact was with just so happened to be the head coach. And so as I was shuffling, I caught the peripheral of someone coming towards me. Well, he was not just coming towards me. He apparently was running. Well, as I turned, I kind of threw an elbow. Everybody calm down. I kind of threw an elbow and caught him on the cheekbone. He went unconscious. They had to bring an ambulance and a little facial reconstruction surgery later, (laughs) he was back and I... To this day, I have no clue why he did not like me on his baseball team. Um, but I remember, but I remember, actually, it was funny because that night I felt so terrible. I, I, I went to the hospital to see him because, I mean, I just felt terrible for what had happened. And he was laying on, in the emergency room, faced away, and, and he was in a, a situation. And, uh, and I just felt terrible. I want to go see him. And he, he, I walked into the door, me and my dad, and his wife was there, and, and his, his wife says, honey, there, there's someone here to see you, and he, and he rolls over, and he looks at me, and he goes, and just rolled back over. I said, you know what? We'll talk later. It's not like apparently not a good time for you, so. I, later on, I, again, this, this is just a little bit of my, my junior college baseball career. I remember um, I, got, I got thrown out. At, I tried to take I tried to go from second to, or first to third on a single to center field and got thrown out at third base. And I just remember like a level of anger in a, in a person's face that I had never seen before. And the coach was, he was another level of angry at me. And by the time that I got back to the dugout, and I don't even know how he pulled it off this fast, by the time I'd gotten to the dugout, he, it, there was a lineup card inside the dugout and it had all the names of the players and my name was in the lineup. And by the time I got back to the dugout, he had sprinted back and grabbed a pen and scribbled my name until there was just a hole in the lineup card. And I, I literally no longer existed. Like he somehow found a way to make me no longer exist on the baseball team. It was actually really funny because one of my, one of my teammates actually after the game, and of course I did not play the rest of that day. And after the game, one of my friends pulled that lineup card and taped it to the front door of my dorm room. So I would never forget, I don't belong here anymore. Um, but I remember going through, if you're, if you're unfamiliar with this, like when you get a scholarship, you think you are the biggest deal on the planet. And then you get to, sco- uh, get to school and every other player on the team also got a scholarship and they also think they are the biggest deal on the planet. And so you've got this jockeying for position going on. And, and again, we're at a junior college. Everybody calm down, you know. Um, but I just remember things like that where I mean, just being humbled so hardcore early on in my adult life. Uh, fast forward, to, it's about 13 years ago, I was working for a church actually in Amarillo and uh, as I went to work for this church, the pastor actually gave me a, a teaching series. Uh, back then they were tapes. Anybody ever listen to tapes? Come on somebody. This, where's the real Christians at? You got t- teaching tapes, stacks of them. And uh, so he gives me this set of tapes and it was, on, uh, it was called Pride and Humility by Keith Moore. I, I'll just tell you this right now. If you've never heard of Keith Moore, you should. One of the best Bible teachers that I know. In that series, it's now called Humility and Pride, I think. Uh, 
Humility and Pride, it's free online on Keith Moore's website. But it, it became one of the most impactful series I've ever listened to in my life. And I remember, of course, when you first go to work for someone, you hope they don't hand you a series to, hey, I think you need to listen to this and you read Pride and Humility. You know, that's not really what you're going for. But he hands me this series and I began to listen to this series. Absolutely changed my life. I've listened to it at least once a year, once a year for the last 13 years, literally sometimes once a month for a whole year straight. Uh, just very, very important um, a series in my life. In that series, one of the things that Keith talks about uh, is something he calls the four in you truths. The four in you truths. And the four in you truths are in yourself, you are nothing. In yourself, you know nothing. In yourself, you have nothing. And in yourself, you can do nothing. Super encouraging, right? <laughs> but aren't you glad that we don't live our lives in ourselves? That is not the end of our lives. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm not living my life in myself. So I'm thankful that these truths don't apply, don't apply to me. It was about the same time I actually had a dream from the Lord. And in this dream, because the Lord was doing such a deep work in my heart, in this dream, I, I was looking at this wall. And on this wall were all these giant spikes. Uh, and the, on the end of every spike, the, the heads of these spikes were so big, there were words written on all of these spikes. And uh, there were words like athletic, smart, good-looking, great, uh, great communicator, all these things that in my younger years I really thought that I was. And, and on these spikes were these little, um, little cedar plaques. We had a little piece of rope over them. And on every single, there was, I don't know, there must have been a hundred of these little cedar plaques. And every single one of them had the word confidence written on it. Confidence. And in this dream, the Lord would come up and he would pull up, or I, at the time I didn't know it was the Lord, this hand would come over my shoulder and pull out one of those nails. And I was left holding my own confidence. And one by one, the Lord began to pull every single nail, every single spike out of that wall until I was left in the dream holding all of my confidence in my own, in my own strength. And I'll never forget waking up with the most intense um, feeling of insecurity that at that time in my life that I remember having felt the weight of carrying my own confidence was almost more than I could bear. And it wasn't until year, years later that the Lord actually gave me the rest of that dream. And uh, I want to say it was probably four or five years later, I'm, I, all of a sudden I have the same dream, and I, but the dream starts with where it left off. And I'm sitting there holding all of that confidence in my hand. And um, all of a sudden, one hand came forward and put one nail in the wall and it said, Jesus. And I was all able to take all of that confidence and hang that on him and in the same way that I felt so insecure and ill-prepared for life in the first dream, when I put all of that confidence on him, all of a sudden this overwhelming, I woke up with this overwhelming sense of peace and, and security. How uh, you guys are thankful that there's only one nail needed? There's only one, only one spike needed. And uh, I, I wanna ask you the question today, when you look at your life, metaphorically speaking, when you look at your life in the mirror, what do you see? When you're looking at your life, what do you see? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Uh, one of the things you have to know about yourself is you are actually a three-part being, much like God exists in three distinct personalities, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You also 
exist in threes in that you are a spirit, you have a body, and you, I'm sorry, you have a soul and you live in a body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live, you live in a body. You are a spirit. That is what you are. You are a spirit. You know, we read that in Colossians. We're trying to, to set our, our eyes and our focus on the realities of life, heaven's realities. In reality, you are not a soul. In reality, you're not a body. In reality, you are a spirit. But the question is, is when you look in the mirror, do you see yourself primarily as a spirit? Do you see yourself in the form of, in the form of spirit? Do you see, when you look in the mirror, when you look at your life, do you see the soul? Do you see your mind, your will, your emotions? Do you see the way you think? Do you see the way that you feel? Do you see your life sum total as all of the decisions that you made? Or maybe you look at the mirror and you just see yourself in the natural flesh and you see what you wish you were in the natural. You see what you hope to be physically. Because if, if you'll remember, our life is no longer exposed. We now live a life according to the scriptures that is hidden in Christ. Our souls are not hidden. Our spirit is not hidden. Our, I mean, our souls are not hidden. Our body's not hidden. Our spirit man, who we really are, Jesus made us perfect in spirit. So he's hidden our spirit man so that if we were to look, if we could see into the spirit realm, if we were to look in the mirror and if we could see the real us, just like the father has to do, we would have to look through the filter of Jesus. So I want you to think about what the mindset might be of someone who every time they looked at themselves, they saw Jesus. I want you to think about someone who knew that every time the father looked at them, he could not even look at them except he looked through the filter of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Think about the perspective of someone who knows that if, if God has to look through Jesus to see me, now how does he feel about me? He's not looking at my soul. He's not looking at the way I think. He's not looking at the decisions that I've made. He's not looking at, he's not looking at those things. He's dang sure not looking at my natural body, which is just a big old pile of dirt. Everybody, can we just acknowledge this is a big old pile of dirt? No, even our heavenly father, when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. So when he looks at us and he sees Jesus, his emotions towards us are the same emotions that he would have towards a son who is perfect. When he looks at us, the thoughts he thinks towards us are the thoughts that he would think towards a person who was hidden in Christ, who was as perfect as the son Jesus. Your body isn't what you should see in the mirror. Your decisions aren't what you should see in the mirror. Your emotions are not what you should see in the mirror. Just like our father, we should see, when we look at ourselves and look at our lives in the mirror, we should see the same thing God sees. We should see Jesus, if we are clothed with Christ, if we have put on Christ, if we are hidden in Christ, just like we read in the scriptures that we started with. If that's not what you see, if when you look in the mirror, if when you look at your life, if that's not what you see, if that's not how you, let me say it another way, if that's not, if your position in Christ is not how you assign and or base your value, then we have a problem. And one of those problems very well could be what I alluded to earlier. It very well could be a problem of pride. Pride is when we look at ourselves and we, and we assign a value based on the things of the flesh. Pride is when we look at our life, we see our lives in the flesh and we assign our value based on 
on the flesh. Pride has two faces. Pride has the face of insecurity and pride has the face of arrogance. The face of insecurity says, I'm looking at me, I'm seeing myself through the eyes of the flesh and I do not like what I see. I do not like how I act. I do not like how I think. I do not like how I behave. And because I don't like what I see, all of a sudden, insecurity comes over me. How many of you guys have ever dealt with that where you've looked at your life and you go, gosh almighty, I cannot believe I just did this. And insecurity is the emotion that follows what you see. Insecurity is born out of not seeing yourself in spirit and seeing yourself in soul. That's what it's born out of. But again, what is it born out of? Looking at who? You. Insecurity is born out of you looking at you instead of what the scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The second face, if you will, of pride is the face of arrogance. It's the face of arrogance. In other words, you're looking at yourself, you're looking at yourself, and after a while you go, dang, Gina. You're pretty smart. You're pretty handsome. You're pretty accomplished. You're pretty wealthy. And you look at all of those things, and not only do you see those things in the natural, you see yourself in the natural, you also give yourself credit for those things. I was watching something the other day, and you probably have heard this, but humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So I'm not saying that there's not good things about you. The problem comes in is when some way, shape, or form, when you look at it, somehow you give yourself credit. You give the Lord some credit. You know, when, when good things happen, you know, the Lord's just been really good. You know, he's just been so faithful. And man, I, I can't tell you how much I've prayed. Just hours and hours and hours and hours of prayer. In fact, I, I sometimes pray till I just fall smooth asleep. I wake up praying. My wife tells me sometimes in the middle of the night, she just hears me mumbling prayers in my sleep. But to God, all the glory. Just thank him, you know. I'm not against prayer, but ask yourself the question, does the grace of God get the credit or the prayer of you? What are you assigning more value? What you do or what he did? Pride, again, has two faces, and all of it's still looking at you, looking at you, looking at you, instead of what the scripture says, if I look at me and I see the real me, I see who I am in spirit, then I have to look through myself clothed in Christ, covered by Jesus. I wanna just give a, a few what I call truths about hidden people. The first one we kind of already touched on is hidden people are humble people. Hidden people are humble people. They, they, they see the life that they have, but because when they look at themselves, they're hidden in Christ, they know who should get the credit. They know who deserves the credit for where they're at in their life. Uh, last week, um, I was before I, I preached this message in, in Midland last week to the Midland campus, and just the, early that morning, I was just in, in prayer. <laughs> it's another thing preachers love to say. Early in the morning, I was up so early. It's just crazy how early I was up praying for y'all. Um, Speaking of, anyway, I, I was just praying over this message and I just, as I, one of the things that was coming out of my mouth is, Lord, I just thank you for the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Uh, there's an anointing on my life to do the thing that you've called me to do today. By the way, preaching's what I do. You need to ask yourself, what do you do? And pray that same prayer over you. 
The spirit of the Lord is upon you for he has anointed you to be a mom. He has anointed you to, to, to be the leader of a business, to be a teacher, to be in politics. You need the spirit of the Lord upon you and the anointing of God to do whatever you're called to do, to do what you're called to do. So I was praying that over my life and I was I just declaring the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to, to preach the gospel. I'm not doing this in my own works. I'm not doing this in the flesh and I'm doing this by your spirit, Lord. And I just, and then the next words that came out of my mouth were, and Lord, I'm so thankful that everything I'm doing, I'm doing with you because your presence is with me. Because your presence is with me. And when I said that phrase, I, I heard the Lord say to me, you have an inheritance of holiness. You have an inheritance of holiness. And as he said that, I just began to kind of dive in intellectually to what that meant. And it made me realize that you, I don't belong in his presence. In my own works, in my own skill, in my own obedience, I could have never belonged in the holy of holies. I could have never belonged in his presence. But because of what Jesus did, because of what he did to me in spirit, he made me holy in spirit, which qualified me for the holy of holies, for the presence of God. He was letting me know, you only get to come into my presence because of what Jesus did. I want you to understand something. If you're dealing with guilt, shame, and condemnation, I want you to understand you have an inheritance of holiness. You'll never belong close to him in your own self, in your own works, in your own obedience. And the enemy is gonna constantly nag at you and try to get you to assign your value or assign your worthiness of being in his presence with what you do. What was the first thing that happened to Adam and Eve when they were aware of their sin? They did not think they belonged where? In his presence. So they hid themselves from him. I'm telling you, that, that, that ought to let us know if that's the first thing the enemy wanted to steal from us, it's the first thing that the Lord wanted to give us back. We belong in his presence. We are worthy to be in his presence because of what Jesus did. We have an inheritance of holiness. Now, how can you be arrogant when you know that? It's the natural response of being aware of what Jesus did and how he welcomed you into the presence of God. The natural response for someone who is aware of the inheritance of holiness in their life is humility. You cannot take credit for something you did not deserve. You cannot take credit for something you did not earn. When you see what Jesus did, the natural posture of the heart and the soul is to go low and to humble yourself and to give credit where credit is due. Hidden people are humble people, but number two, hidden people are secure people. Because you're not valuing self because of what you do and what Jesus did, when you look at yourself and you see him, you realize, oh my gosh, I have nothing to be ashamed of. I don't have to be insecure. He, Jesus, is my security. Jesus is my security. This is something you will deal with. It's funny, we were talking about this in our pre-service meeting. This concept that we're talking about today is something you will deal with the rest of your life. You're not going to someday arrive at this place where like, you know what? I'm fully hidden in Christ. I know it. Lord, let's just move on to something else. That place, unfortunately, does not exist. We were joking about how one of some of the most, the most common phrases in Scripture are don't forget, don't forget, remember, remember, don't forget, don't forget. Why? Because we forget. Especially when the grace of God comes on our life, things start going good in our lives, things start going better in our life, slowly but surely, you'll start taking credit for those things. Inadvertently, you'll start taking credit. 
vice versa. When, when, even when the enemy comes against you and things aren't going the way that you think that they should be going, let me tell you this. One of the first things you'll start to think of is, Lord, where am I messing it? Am I right? When things start going wrong, what do you go, oh man, what, God, have I been going to church? Have I been praying? Have I been tithing? Have I been giving? We start going, when things start going down, we start looking me, 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 which is the exact opposite of what gets you going back up. When things start going down, you have to be more intentional about saying, Lord, I know what this looks like. I know what this sounds like. But you have a plan for my life. You have hope for my life. And because of what Jesus did, I don't have to qualify for that life. I just have to believe and I qualify for that life. And you have to open up your mouth and you have to declare what the Bible says about you. You have to open your mouth and say those things. And all of a sudden, when you do that, all that security starts coming back on you when you understand the things that God's done for you, when you understand who you are, an overwhelming security comes on you. So hidden people are humble people, hidden people are secure people. And because of that, hidden people are teachable people. Hidden people are correctable people. Here, here's what I mean by that. If I see myself in spirit as the, as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if I know who I am, if I know the heavenly realities, if I know that in heaven, the, the, the realest of all real, I am seated with Christ. I am in the position, the same position he's in. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father in a position of favor. When I see myself as a spirit, and that's the condition of my spirit, if I recognize that my soul is just a possession, if the way I think, the way I behave, the decisions that I make, if all of these things are not who I am, but they're just a possession, I have no problem holding those things out and saying, fix those, Lord, fix those, pastor, fix those, wife, fix those, men, fix this, because this is not who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. These things are open for discussion. I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you ever been offended when something you own needs fixed? Think about that. Go to the, your car is making a little clanging sound. You pull it into the, the mechanics and say, hey, something's wrong with this possession. Something's wrong with my car. The guy comes back and says, you know what? I hate to break this to you, but you're gonna need a new alternator. And you turn and look at him and go, how dare you? <laughs> how, you need a new alternator. Anybody ever do that one? You do, you know. No, we're not offended when someone says that, hey, this possession of yours is broken and if you'll fix it, it'll work better. Right, that's not who I am. I'm not a car. <laughs> I know this seems overly simplistic, but if you'll learn to see your soul in the same way, your, soul, your soul's not who you are. It's just a possession you have. So if you know that because the real you, remember, what are we talking about? Heavenly realities, the realities of heaven. We are hidden in Christ. We are perfect and who we really are. We'll say, anybody have any thoughts about my soul, about the way I think, about the way I behave, about my emotional situation? If you have any thoughts, the word of God, you can touch any area of my soul that you need to. And I will not get insecure. I will not shrink back because that's not who I am. That's just what I have. The more we see ourselves in spirit, the more we say, then someone can come up to you. And we know these things are, <laughs> this is one of my wife's favorites. Y'all love this one. What were you thinking? Any ever, anybody ever tried that one? It doesn't work, I promise. I swear it does not work. But how offensive is it? Just think about that phrase. What were you thinking? Oh, I'm so sorry that I'm such an idiot and you know, anybody else have that one? That's not in my family. We don't have any of those problems. But man, and, and think about that phrase. What were you thinking? Or why did, why did you do that? Or here's one for, for the wives. 
you shouldn't feel that way. Any husbands, you ever tried that one on your wife? I, you just shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't feel that way. What is this? Feelings, thinking. I can't believe you did that. Decisions, what are those? Those are the soul. Those are the soul. That's not who you are. This is one of the issues we're having in culture right now. We have young people that think they are what they feel. They think they are what they think. So if the enemy comes and plants a thought, which he even did to Jesus, by the way, if the enemy comes and plants a thought or tries to plant a feeling or get you to succumb to an emotion of, I'm, I'm a man and I seem to be attracted to that other man, the enemy then can convince you, you are what you think or you are what you feel. You must be gay. No, you're, you're not gay. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are who he created you to be. It's not, it's not minimizing. That's the, that's the other thing that Christians need to start doing. Stop overreacting to people just having a little bit of confusion about who they are in spirit versus who they are in soul. So do you. It might not be as intense. It might not be as grotesque. But in the same way, it's just someone who sees themselves in the area of the soul. So what does the right answer? You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't think that way. Wrong answer. Hey, I know you feel that way. Let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who you were created to be. When you speak to the identity, the soul begins to line up. Just like the scripture says, work out. Kingdom life is outside, I'm sorry, inside out, not outside in. The world says work it from the outside in. If you get this stuff, if you look like this, women, if your body looks a certain way, if you'll get a little tune-up and you'll get a little improvement, it's like a car. Just bring a car in for a little tune-up and get you some bigger tires. <laughs> you'll be happier. Now, I'm not, I'm, it's not a guilt shame. If you want to tune the car up, tune it away. The problem is, is when you find your identity and what the car looks like. It's when you find, why are you doing what you're doing? Well, because I feel insecure about the way I look. Exactly. You see yourself in the soul, not in the spirit. If we understand that kind of stuff, think about the compassion that will come on your life for people that seem to have gross sin. That's worse sin than my sin. They need the same thing that we need, a different point of view. And if we can adjust the point of view, we can adjust the behavior. They have to see themselves the same way we see as hidden in Christ. I'm perfected in him. Hidden people are humble people. They're secure people. They're correctable people. And because they're correctable and teachable, they're growing people. If, you've been, if, you, if you say this about your life, like, I just don't feel like I'm growing. Maybe you've been looking at the wrong thing. Well, I've been trying to work on this and work on this and work on this. I get that. I live my, almost my whole life that way. As a young believer, I was working on this. I'm gonna get better at this. I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna get better at this. It's amazing what happened to my life when I just spent more time looking at Jesus and less time looking at me. It's amazing the improvements that happened in me because I no longer, no longer identified me as my doing. I identified me as my believing and my hiddenness, perfected by him. Last but not least, hidden people are thankful people. Thankful people. I believe the church at large is in a thankfulness deficit. We have so much, especially the American church, 
we have so much, so much to be thankful for. And I'm just telling you, well, I'll, I'll just tell you what, what happened to me. And this, this may, this may uh, help some of you. When I was going through this, man, I, I just got, I had a radical encounter with the Lord and it began a journey for me. And what was amazing as the, <laughs> this is a weird thing, I would go into my office to study about Jesus and would find myself on my face worshiping Jesus. It was the most bizarre thing. I'd get in his, I'd get in there and just want to, I'd look at him. I'd find scriptures that talked about him. I'd look at scriptures that said things. I would just look at him in scripture and the natural reaction for seeing him was to get on my face and worship. I was so thankful. If you're one of those that says, I, I'm just not the same, I'm not, the, I'm not a worshiper like some people are. No, we're all worshipers. We're all worshipers. I assure you, you will blow your own mind when you get to heaven. You will be shocked at how ridiculous you look and don't seem to care because you will have seen him face to face. Can I just say this? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The apostolic kingdom prayer approach is bring, not wait till we get to heaven, bring heaven to earth. Let me encourage you, bring heaven to earth, see him face to face while you're here and you'll worship, worship him like you're there. Learn to see him face to face here. I promise you, you will worship him like you're there. To see him is to love him. To see him is to worship him. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.